The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so also I love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment, love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves, because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. So today is the Feast of St. Matthias, and for those of you who don't know who Matthias is, he is not the same apostle as Matthew. Uh, It is not another optional name for Matthew. I just always have to clarify that because I've taken uh, the Saint Matthew, the Apostle Matthew's name as a religious name, and so oftentimes they get confused. So I just like to clarify that first of all. Second of all, The Feast of St. Matthias gives us the opportunity to be able to reflect on the friendship and what it is that God leaves us. What is it that Jesus Christ leaves us through his apostles? Because Matthias is the one who was elected, as we heard in the reading today, was elected to replace Judas. So why couldn't they get along with just 11 apostles? That's a, that's a key question because that is where St. Peter says we need to replace him. But the question why is never answered in there. And so historically, this gives us an opportunity to look at what do the apostles provide us. But also within that, there's a reason for the gospel that we read today to be read at the Feast of the Apostles because they are the friends of Jesus Christ. And so with that being laid out, I want to ask a couple of questions and just give you some food for thought. Try and imagine, if you will, who your best friend is. Try and imagine their face. Imagine how you got to know them. Imagine what you do with them and how are they your best friend. What is it that they do? What do you do for them? How is that relationship? Is it a healthy relationship? Is it a relationship of convenience? Is it a relationship where you give and take equally? Are there things that just stand out or are there things that you haven't thought about that person in a long time? 
because there's a reason why that person pops into your mind as being your best friend. With mine, I've known him forever, it seems like, even though it's actually just been since college, which I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but it's been a while. But I've gotten the opportunity to get to know him through time, get to know his family through time. I've seen his sons and daughters grow up and become young men and young women. Um, I've gotten to know his extended family to the point where we're literally just like family to each other and my family is his family and so forth. It got there through time, but through the give and take that relationships take, through arguing, through commiserating in our in our in just our sufferings and joy and rejoicing with each other in our joys and and just everything that it takes to be in relationship with each other. It takes that to build those bonds. But it's that bond precisely that John is talking about that we are to have with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, I don't call you slaves, I call you my friend. What's the difference between those? Because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, they don't intimately have that relationship with each other. A slave does what his master tells him and that's it. You don't have that intimate sharing of each other that you do with friends. So if you thought about your best friend, and now imagine that best friend is the creator of the universe. How you interacted and how you thought about that best friend and all of the experiences that you've had through time with that individual. Now translate that into Jesus Christ. I know when I was thinking about this a little bit more in depth and really contemplating it, I was thinking, you know, the, the sticking points on this are, with my friend, I actually get to sit down with him. I see his reaction. I see his face. It's an equal give and take. Sometimes I'm giving him more attention. Sometimes he's giving me more attention. Sometimes it's a matter of, I'm going through more of a difficult time right now in my life, so he's there to receive that and walk with me through it physically. How does that translate? Is there a gap there? And I think oftentimes we think that there is. But then I thought about how do we overcome those gaps with Jesus Christ? Because, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is fully present to us at all moments of our life, even more so than that best friend of yours. He's present in the word that he gives us. He's present in the actions of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's active in the sacraments that we receive. He's active on the altar. He's active through our neighbors. He's active in the friends and family that we have around us. Jesus Christ is active. That was the whole point of the ascension was that Jesus was only physically present to those that he was in the midst of while he was here. But once he's ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, he's actively present in every single one of our lives at every moment of our life. More active than that best friend of yours. 
How do, we act, how do we interact with Jesus Christ? Do we interact with him the same way that we do that best friend when they're present? Or do we think that Jesus Christ is that person who lived long ago, who just lays out a whole bunch of rules for us to follow, but then leaves us to our own devices? That is an enlightenment thought. And it's one I think we fall back into a lot because it's the typical response of most Americans that this deity, this spiritual, this spiritual being that is so far removed from us doesn't interact with us, but he still guides and he still pushes us into things. And really, if we follow all of those rules, then everything works out fine. And I think what the feasts of the apostles and the readings that we go through with all of those Every, every last one of them really points us toward God being an intimate, in intimate relationship with us so much more so than we can possibly even have with our best friends. Because God is present, not only back 2,000 years ago, but is intimately present with you now. I would urge us as we continue through the remaining part of Easter, from the ascension to Pentecost, that we really focus on how God is present and active in our lives. How do we interact with that? Do we celebrate with Jesus? Do we come to him when we have our joys, when we have sorrows? Do we complain to him? Do we offer everything that he gives us back to him? Because believe it or not, brothers and sisters, God gives you everything you have. That's where he gives us, just like our best friends give us the attention that we feel like we need at certain points in our lives. God is always there. Do we turn to him as a best friend or do we turn to another? Do we rely on God and thank him for all of the blessings and gifts he's given us? Or do we think that that's all on our own part? Do we offer back to God the joys and the sorrows of our life and ask him to be intimately present to guide us, to lead us, and to draw us ever more deeply into his heart and ever more intimately into relationship with him. That should be our prayer continuing forward.